Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Siri. What? Can you please play the DeCommunist podcast? No. Oh, Siri, you bitch. Oh, hello. I'm so sorry I didn't even see you there. <laughs> well, actually, I, I can't see you at all. This is a podcast. Um, I It's an audio format. I knew that going into the joke, and I went there anyway. <sighs> I don't have an excuse for that type of behavior. I'm not perfect, okay? Anyway, hi, hello. Welcome to a brand new episode of D-Communist. D-Com, Disney Channel original movie. Munist, because it kind of sounds like the word communist, and puns are fun. This week, you guys, boy howdy, do we have an incredible Disney Channel original movie. This is probably, if I'm thinking critically, my third all-time fave DCOM, okay? Last week we talked about Riot on Track, which probably wouldn't even crack like top 25 for me. I barely remembered it, but we had a good time. We had a good time watching and learning and laughing together. Um, But this week... Number three, by demand, by request, I, you, no one's demanding anything of me, except for the government and taxes. A lot of people, when I first kicked the podcast off about a year ago, suggested this movie. And then, a uh, special shout out to Garrett for commenting on my last post with a wonderful bevy of options to choose from. And one jumped out at me, and I kept saying, I should wait to do this episode, I should wait to do this episode, I don't want to, you know, shoot my wad too early. And no, when I say that, I know that sounds filthy, and I know it is filthy if you think about it, but I'm making a joke reference to Arrested Development, I don't actually mean that. I hope that comes across. I know it doesn't at all, which is why I gave it that caveat, but I hope from here on out, you understand that's what I mean. Anyway, I didn't want to do this movie too soon, because I was worried... You know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to put the, put the, (laughs) I don't know. I, there's not a metaphor that I can think of because in most things you do want to put your best thing first. I guess I just didn't want to do all the ones that everybody cared about and then just slog through the remaining like 95 movies, you know, you guys get where I'm coming from. So last week, that's why we did right on track. But this week, I think I've built it up enough. And I also put the movie in the title. So it's not that much of a surprise. It's Cadet Kelly. Woo! 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 Cadet Kelly, Hilary Duff, Christy Carlson Romano, other people. A guy who looks a little bit like Justin Timberlake, but is not Justin Timberlake. But who was named in the movie might be Justin, which might be why I put those two together. Um, just speaking of Justin Timberlake. Uh, Hilly, a friend of mine, reached out, and just in case anyone else was wondering, model behavior, while an incredible movie, is not a decom. It originally aired on ABC Family, as like a, a, it was a Disney movie, but that's where it aired, so it doesn't count as a decom. I know, I was upset about it too, but I just wanted to get that out of the way, so don't expect it. Maybe later, I'll just expand the podcast to do more movies, but for now, we're keeping it tried and true, and that's why we're going with Cadet Kelly. This movie, if you don't know anything about it, boy, you are really missing out. Here's the good news about Cadet Kelly. Uh, As of when I'm recording this, which is August 16th, probably. Dates are hard. It's on Netflix, gang. It doesn't get any easier than watching something on Netflix. Netflix. It's basically like having basic cable in this day and age. So Cadet Kelly is right there. Watch it. Live, laugh, love. You know, they have a lot of actually. Netflix has a shockingly robust collection of DCOMs, which is pretty neat. 
I'm looking at, I have my Netflix pulled up right now, and I'm just, like, looking at the still for this, and it's Hilary Duff and, like, of her, like, full, you know, dress blues or whatever the heck the military calls their fancy clothes. <laughs> their fancy clothes. And she's, like, kind of grimacing and, like, looking off to the side, like, oh, boy, what did I get myself into? <laughs> she got herself into drill teams. Um, DCOMs, when I was younger, they came out once a month or once every other month, basically. And that was, like, my obsession for that month. Um, so with, like, double teamed, I wanted to get really good at basketball. That was an achievable goal. It only lasted a month. You're not going to get good at basketball in a month. You know what I'm saying? And his million dollar cook-off, I wanted to cook. Cadet Kelly, my dumbass, wanted to go to military school. Like, please don't ask me why. I thought it was a good idea at the time. The movie made it seem like a real fun place. Well, the movie makes it seem actually pretty strict. Like, they have very specific rules about, um, you know, not having baby blankets or whatever. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. So, I was like, I'm all into this, and I really wanted to be on a drill team. Um, so, my father, who supported me enough to do the following, but not so much that he sent my dumb ass off to military school. Blessings. Thank you, papa. He gave me, like, a kind of a, a rifle-sized <laughs> piece of wood that had been sanded blessings to avoid splinters um and i would just pretend like that was my little drill team gun and i would spin it and spin it and spin it and i know what you're thinking jessica why didn't you just go into the color guard eventually like you didn't have to go to a military school to do that you're not wrong i didn't have to do a lot of things that i did when i was a kid but i still did them you know i didn't have to i don't know i don't have a good story i thought i'd come up with one <laughs> i just didn't maybe later but anyway cadet kelly so she goes, Hillary Duff, her mom gets married. I, I don't think I gave my little caveat. I should get better at introing my own podcast. Season two is different than season one. I don't watch the movie first, okay? I talk about it. We all have a good time. We share our fond memories and I get off on some stupid ass tangents. We break. I watch it. You can watch it at the same time if you want to. You don't have to. Then we come back after I've watched it and we talk with a little bit more of a critical eye, because we have the movie fresh in our brains. Um, it's all in the same podcast, don't worry, this isn't like a two-part episode. Preposterous. Preposterous! But that's what's up. So, wh I remember Cadet Kelly as clear as day, um, because I watched it not too terribly long ago, and I think I was a little tips when I watched it. Shocker of all shockers. And it was the funniest movie of all time. So I can only assume it's going to be equally delightful, this go round. <laughs> I'm going to be dead sober. I'm going to watch it just after we finish recording this. Perhaps I'll pop over to the store to grab a bite to eat and then I'll come back and watch the movie. Um, but this movie has an incredible amount of comedy, as I recall. Hilary Duff is a good actress. Like she was good. She was of, I think, the Disney ilk that really cranked out like solid actresses. I, hear me out. I think Hilary Duff was very good. I think. You know, you're looking at That's So Raven, they're cheesy, but all those performances were, like, solid, like, they seemed like people who knew what they were doing. Um, I think the cast of Even Stevens, Krista Carlson Romano, was Ren in Even Stevens. We'll talk about her later. Uh, I, you know, that whole cast was very good. Then it kind of, there was, like, a little decline in quality, I think, in the need to increase, A, just production, and B, I think they kind of got into this mindset Disney did where everyone needed to sing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like 
the big three that I'm thinking of, of course, kind of in that interim were Miley, Demi, and Selena. Now, Miley, Demi, and Selena are all wonderful singers. I'm not going to fight you on that. Because how could I? I have ears and a heart. I know they're good singers. Okay. But as far as acting goes, I personally believe Selena is the best of the bunch. I think she's a very talented actress. I think The Wizards of Waverly Place, both show and movie, which we will get to talk about. Blessings. I'm going to stop saying that. I think she's like she's a good comedic actress. I really do. And then I think Demi's right below her. Demi had a harder time committing to, I think, more serious moments. She was kind of good on that sort of happy-go-lucky range. And then, no offense, but I think Miley would be the third best actress. Very one note, in my opinion. But I do remember watching the Hannah Montana movie and crying. But I can't remember if I was crying because of something Miley did or if it was like when Billy Ray was having a heart-to-heart about like her dead mom or something. We, I, uh, Hannah Montana, the movie, I do not believe is a Disney Channel original. I think they got a theatrical release. But if it hasn't, we're going to talk about it because Dolly Parton's in that movie. I said that so boldly. Is Dolly Parton in that movie? Oh, God. You know what movie Dolly Parton is? And I was just thinking about this the other day. There was a movie, I'm pretty sure it was Dolly Parton and like Queen Latifah. And it was called Joyful Noise. And they were in like a church gospel choir. I saw that movie in theaters. I was just talking about that the other day. Me and my dad got in a car, drove 15 minutes to our nearest movie theater, bought tickets. Um, well, we didn't buy them because at the time he had like a little free deal. We bought a bucket of popcorn and two big old sodas and sat down and watched Joyful Noise in theaters. I have led an interesting cinematic life, you know? My real life hasn't been too terribly interesting, but the movies I've seen... (laughs) Anyway, um, I've talked a lot about nothing, which is fun, and not too much about Cadet Kelly. So let me get right down to some hard facts and figures that aren't really hard facts and figures because I haven't researched the movie at all. Cadet Kelly is super funny. It's a movie where I think family gets the first place because she goes to this military military academy... Because her mom remarries Gary Cole, which, what an incredible actor, just to highlight again how talented the people in this movie are. He is like, I don't know, the president of the academy or the principal is what I meant to say. (laughs) He's the president of the United States. Um, And so that's why she has to go to this school. And she's been at this like sort of very freewheeling art school in the city. I'm guessing New York, who knows. And so she has to go to this very regimented, you know, individuality is not encouraged kind of place. But it's all about kind of her. Oh, and her mom's having a her mom's having a, a, a little baby. They're gonna have a little baby in the house. So it's kind of about her getting along with her stepdad and them sort of realizing that not everything has to be his way and not everything can be her way. And then there's compromise. And then I would say the second tier is female friendships. Yes, yes, yes. Always fun. Um, I'm not sure if it's because of the movies that I liked. Or if it's because this was much more of a, a theme with the DCOMs. But girl power and like female friendships, delightfully highlighted, I think. Um, obviously, most, most movies have a little bit of romance thrown in there. And I'm sure there's some movies that I'm, were like for quote unquote for boys or you know, made with like a male audience in mind. But so far, we've talked about most of these really fun ones with just, you know, gals being pals in a legitimate way, not the euphemism way. Um... So, because, you know, Hilary Duff's character, whose name is Kelly, why am I saying, like, it's Cadet Kelly. Her name's Kelly. Duh. She has, like, a friend from New York 
who has a, she has an amazing scene with. We'll talk about that later. I'm so, I'm pushing a lot off for the second part of this podcast because I have a plan. Do you want to hear it? I'll tell you. I'm pretty sure, and I know this sounds nuts, but I'm pretty sure I have a way to get audio clips whoosh, thrown in the podcast. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a multimedia experience. I'm so excited. So I'm saving a lot of stuff because there's some absolutely, I just kiss my fingers, clutch lines in this movie. So she has her friend from New York and then her like sort of bunkmate um, at the school is her friend and she has like an interesting past. I can't remember exactly what it is, but like she's never had a friend before. So they learned about friendship. And then Cadet Kelly, <laughs> that's, that's her name. Her first name is Cadet. Her last name is Kelly. Kelly and Christy Carlson Romano's character. They start out feuding, unfortunately, I think, over a boy, which is not ideal, but they rise above it, and they get to be friends, and they kind of flip, you know, the world of competitive drilling on its head. (laughs) Whoa. And then I think the third important part of the movie is the love interest. And if that, what more could you want out of a movie? That's why it's top three. And I've said top three to the point now where you guys are probably wondering what's one and two. Number one is, of course, motocrossed. Please don't even get me started on motocross. It will be probably the penultimate episode we do. Nope. Why would I do it second to last? What would I What would I put after motocross that would make it worth it? It'll be some sort of celebratory episode. 20th, 25th, something. Time will tell. But it will be there. And number two is... Poof. I, wow. Number two is double teamed. I'm going to say a number two is double team. So number one is motocross, two double team, three cadet Kelly. What's number four? You ask. I heard you. I heard your brain ask that. I look, I looked into the future to you listening to this podcast and read your mind. Can you believe I'm so talented? I use my powers only for good though. Only for creating high quality podcasts. I'm not, you know, playing the stocks. I'm not cheating at gambling. I'm respectful of my powers. I just want to delight and entertain. Number four is Brink. And then number five is probably Smart House. You know? I'm sure in past episodes I've totally just said a bunch of different movies. But those are definitely consistently top five all-time faves. Um, Now that I'm like thinking critically, I'm pretty sure I said Xenon was top five last time. Top ten, no doubt about it. But top five, that seems a little bold. Anyway, so those are the big three themes of the movie. It is, there's a dance. I remember there being like this big dance that she can't go to because she has to complete the obstacle course and she just can't do it. Ugh, it's so hard. She broke a nail. I'm kidding. I don't think, and I'm going to probably regret saying this, but I'm trying to remember. I don't think her aversion to military school is because she's like girly. Like she's like too femme. It's like, oh, I'm going to break a nail or oh my God. I'm going to get dirt on my shoes. I think she doesn't like it because they really are trying to be much more uniform than she wants to be. And she's very expressive and individualistic. And that's how she's lived her whole life. And to go into this new environment where she can't, you know, be freewheeling is uh, not good. And I think... <laughs> Did you hear that noise my throat just made? That was weird. Um... <laughs> Did you hear that noise on this podcast? We're listening to me talking. I can only assume you did. Good Lord. I think that's a fun choice on the filmmaker's part to not. And again, I could be wrong, but I'm hoping I'm not because I'm going to make some real bold statements. I think it's a fun choice on the filmmaker's part to make that the conflict of the movie. Because it could have been she's lazy and doesn't want to like get up and drill. Or she's like girly and she doesn't want to go through the mud. 
and which I that does play a small part, but that's not the core um, conflict. And to have it be that, I think is interesting. It it makes the film have more depth. And you know, of course, what you're looking for in a decom is complex. Uh, complex storytelling in depth. You know, that's what I always think of when I think of Disney Channel original movies. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other, like, specific moments from the movie that really stick out to me that I want to talk about now and I'm not saving. You, I'm going to, like, get, like, a drum roll set up if I can get this audio clip that I'm thinking of pulled up. Oh, um, yeah, Christy Carlson Romano, like, rips her baby blanket, which... <laughs> I, it was, like, violating her bunk code or whatever, but it was so damn rude. And I think I have a particular soft spot in my heart because <sighs> I've talked about my brother and I've talked about my father quite a bit on this podcast, and I've left my mother, sweet, sweet Bootsy, out of it for the most part. But I have to tell this tale. I'm going to have it recorded for all of time. When I was a youth, we were on vacation, and we were on a plane somewhere, and we were coming home. And my mother is always cold. In her opinion, Fazoli's was the coldest place in the universe. It was a little cold, but, like, we couldn't eat there sometimes because she had, didn't have, like, a jacket, okay? She's that kind of cold. And she's cold on a plane. Of course. Sometimes planes can be very cold. You want to be comfy. And you don't bring a duvet on a plane. That'd be preposterous. But I brought my baby blanket. And I wasn't a baby at the time. Mind your freaking business. It was very comfy. It had, like, the silk lining. It was just a nice blanket to have. It was basically a pillow, okay? And so I lent it to my mother, who was so cold. And then we get off the plane. And then do you know what happens? You've probably guessed by now. Horsey, the name of my blanket, was left behind. And, uh, you know, I, the airline, what are they going to do? It's just, they're just going to throw it away. Uh, they lose, you know, fucking suitcases all the time when they're going to save a little blanket. I guess. wouldn't that be funny if i was like legitimately having a breakdown on this podcast because 20 years ago my mom lost my baby blanket (laughs) it was probably closer to like 15 years ago but still (laughs) okay i think i'm happy with what i've said i mean i'm not happy with uh the content i've provided you because i'm sure it's uh slapdash and nonsensical but sometimes life is you know what i mean uh but we're going to go ahead we're going to break okay we're going to I'm going to stop recording I'm going to watch Cadet Kelly and then we will be back to talk more about it so if you're sticking with me and just going straight through I will see you in a matter of seconds if you're going to take a break watch the movie and come back with the next hour day weeks months years hopefully not years live your life I will see you then here we go and we are back you are probably thinking what the hell happened? Maybe for a variety of reasons, maybe not. It's so interesting to record this in two parts because so many things can change in the interim. For example, I recorded my first part as I stated on the 16th of August. It is now the 22nd of August. This podcast was supposed to come out last Friday, um, but it didn't. There's a good reason for this and I will tell you all tomorrow. So let's just move right past it and let's talk about Cadet Kelly. Um, what a film, what a joyous occasion. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. Uh, first things first, something when I was doing a little research, oh, I'm going to get this out of the way because I can't help myself. The movie came out in 2002. Yes. It is set in the very beginning. It's set in New York. Yes. They live in downtown New York. Yes. It opens with like a montage of fancy New York buildings. Yes. Particularly that one that I have no idea what it's called, but it's like, 
a narrow building that kind of comes to a point. <laughs> like a, it's like in the middle of a fork in the road. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Guess what they don't show and guess what they never discuss? Uh, the Twin Towers coming down. Yes. This is a movie about people in military school. And I think at that point in time, it would have come up, <laughs> you know, people are getting caught up in the ranks or whatever. I don't know. I don't really know how the military works. But just once again, I always find it interesting when they just absolutely ignore that that happened in movies of the time period. Whatever. That's out of the way. And now let's get to the fun stuff. <laughs> the movie starts with one of the all-time classic early 2000s girl power songs. I'm a one girl revolution. It's not as good as Supergirl from Princess Diaries. But that's okay. Princess Diaries' music is flawless. You might recall Lana Ann and Fontana singing Stupid Cupid. Boom! 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 I didn't even think of that. It was just as I was saying it, it came to me that I could work it in then. So, we are on a three or four episode streak. How you like me now? Anyway, the movie does a good job of really letting you know who Kelly is within 2.2 seconds. She's dancing around the yard with her friend. She's uh, twirling some sort of ribbon. And then her friend is the one who choreographed this dance she's doing for a school project. Because she goes to some like, artsy feel-good school. The teacher's like, oh, Kelly... Or Kelly is done dancing and she like stumbles and like runs into people. Oh, she's clumsy. And the teacher's like, oh, Kelly, um, how is your essay coming? And she's like, oh, I changed my mind. I'm going to do a video. The essay was before I was going to do the um, sculpture garden. B, Kelly's flighty and can't make up her mind. Hello, you now know just about everything you need to know about this character. What a joyous time. So Kelly, or the, the film establishes the characters pretty well. The mom character to me is interesting in that... So Kelly's parents are divorced and her mom is remarrying. Her dad is like a wildlife photographer and he's in the Sudan for most of the movie. And a really sort of odd moment is he's like on the phone with her photographing, photographing something. And he's just like three black guys behind him like holding all his bags while he walks through the jungle. And then he like falls and they look at each other like, oh boy, look at this guy. It didn't make sense for the rest of the movie at all. Like, it, it literally didn't need to happen. But for whatever reason, they threw it in there. Parents are divorced. Mom is, like, a high profile. She's an editor. They barely mention it. She's an editor. The dad's the free-spirited one. She's, like, the hardworking, focused one. And then she marries a retired general from the army, Gary Cole. Which, what a get for a Disney Channel original movie. I think Gary Cole's a great actor. I think he's a character actor that really nails every part he's ever had. Shouts to Gary Cole. So the mom kind of gets somebody more her speed and then they are moving to upstate New York because um, Gary's character, whose name is Joe, but everyone just calls him Sir because he's the commandant of the school, which is like the president. Or the goddamn, I do it again. He's a principal, but it's better. Um, so they move to upstate New York and the mom quits her job and she's like, yeah, I'm going to like learn how to cook and, like, knit and stuff. I'm like, what, what do you mean you're going to learn how to cook and knit and stuff? Like, you're moving, but that doesn't mean you have to change everything about your personality. And that kind of becomes the mom's like, storyline. She's like a D-plot. She's not entirely crucial. I mean, she advances things, but she's more of a catalyst between Kelly and Joe. So she moves to New York. Well, she's getting remarried, so she quits her job. She moves to New York, is going to learn how to be a housewife, gets pregnant, um, and then like her big arc is at one point Kelly comes home early on in her time at the academy 
And the mom, oh, she can't even put an apron on, right? Oh my God, she's hopeless. And then at the end of the movie, the dad comes to visit and she like is like, I made turkey and it was raw before I got it. And then she like throws her apron on correctly. Like, whoa, what a domestic goddess you have become. Holy cow. Um, something though that I did think was really cool in terms of the dads, because the mom, I don't, her characterization was odd. It was like a big change for her. And then I was supposed to be excited that she got good at this thing that she begrudgingly agreed to, or maybe she wasn't begrudging to agree to it, but she seemed very hesitant. And when she was talking, I didn't really highlight this. When she was talking about like, yeah, I'm going to learn how to cook and knit. She's like, I'm going to learn how to cook and I'm going to learn how to knit. And she just wasn't into it, but she was trying to sell Kelly on the whole experience. She was like afraid to tell Kelly that she was moving, which I think is a real A plus dynamic between a parent and a child when the parent's afraid to tell them something. But one thing I liked about the dads, because Kelly does really, I mean, she's never at odds with Joe, who's going, he's going to be her stepdad at the beginning of the movie is when you find out they're getting married. Um, there's never tension. She's like, he's a little severe or a little strict, but he's good for my mom. He loves her. It's cool. And then she loves her dad because she's, that's where she gets her personality from is her free spirited dad. And the dads interact and it's never contentious between the two of them. It's never like, you know, Kelly asks Joe something and he says no. And then she asks her birth dad or her regular dad and he says yes. And that's like a problem. And that never happens. The only time that they have any sort of interaction, it's really kind of positive. Um, Cause at one point Kelly tells Joe, you know, we're having this baby. Um, let's, you're going to need to sort of loosen up a little bit and get more attuned to your feelings and expressing them. So then when Kelly's dad shows up, he's like watching them not critically or, you know, he's not judging him for being free spirited. He's like watching him sort of see how he's interacting and see what Kelly means by opening up. And then at the end of the movie, well, next to the very end of the movie, Joe and Kelly have to go save Adam is the dad, um, Kelly's real dad, birth dad, whatever they go and save him. And at the end, you know, Kelly's like hugging her dad and then she's celebrating with Joe and he goes in for a hug, which is the first time he's hugged her. They normally handshake. And then she's like hugging him and she's holding Joe's hand and she's holding Adam's hand as he's on a stretcher. And she's like, yeah, like my two, like my dad and my dad, she doesn't say my dad, and my stepdad or my dad and my, you know, school principal. She says my dad. And then he's like two dads. And it's so cool that they could have, that could have very easily been the plot line for the two of them is that they needed to figure out what it was going to be like to be related to one another or to be in one another's lives. And it is in a way, but it's not contentious. It's just like, we both need to change a little bit and grow into this already pretty solid foundation. And to see like the family, you know, a lot of times when you see divorced parents, it's contentious. They're fighting, they're making the kid, you know, choose and they're playing each other off one another. And this was so nice. It was genuinely refreshing to see this in this movie where everyone was just getting along right from the jump which was really neat. Um, so that, that was a really terrific part of this movie. Uh, and then just cycling back to Kelly in New York and her free spirited friend who was the one that choreographed that dance I was talking about. Listen, gang, there is, so, you know, there's some really great moments in cinema. Um, I recently tweeted that the scene in Titanic where the old lady Rose is talking, she's like, uh, you know, this is a ship of dreams, but for me, it was a slave ship on the inside. I was screaming and then it cuts to that horn blaring. One of the greatest moments in cinema history. Cadet Kelly 
has probably the second greatest moment in cinema history. I was able to collect a recording of this for you all to enjoy. So I'm going to play it. I can't play it and talk at the same time because I'm not that good. But to set the scene, Kelly has just told her friend Amanda, who is played by Sarah Gadden or Godin, who went on to be in a really cool Hulu original show called 112263 with James Franco. That was really cool, really cool, really cool. And then sucked at the end, like the point where I don't recommend it to people because of how bad it ended. But that's neither here nor there. She's telling Amanda, I have to go to military school. And they are both in shock and disgust. And the following moment happens. No. Yes. <laughs> oh man, take that, Aaron Sorkin. You'll never write a line as good as that. <laughs> so the the person who wrote this movie, Gail Parent, I believe, also wrote Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, and that just makes absolute perfect sense to me. I was like, of course you did. That's very the tone that I got from this movie. Um, so Kelly has the whole thing with her parents and she's moving to this academy. And like I said, she's free spirited and she's clumsy. And this is a very uniform place and there's obstacle courses. And of course that is just going to be at odds with Kelly. Fortunately for her, she makes her new friend and her enemy within about a two minute span because this movie's only, you know, 90 minutes long. <laughs> so her new friend is Carla, who is played by Andrea or Andrea Lewis. I'm not sure. And she, if you guys are big Degrassi fans like I was, played Hazel, who was Jimmy's girlfriend when he was not dating Ashley. Just a little Degrassi insider there for you. <laughs> so they become friends because Carla's like, yeah, let me just sort of like tell you how it goes around here. And is nice and doesn't like roll her eyes like, ah, who's this bitch? Like all the other girls in their barracks did. And then mere moments later, Christy Carlson Romano rolls up, Jennifer Stone, Captain Stone, absolutely classic name, and she's a real hard ass, and then she gets mad at the blanket, as I mentioned, and then a couple scenes later, she rips that thing to shreds. Which, I didn't remember this, after she rips the blanket, Kelly paints her hair and gets court-martialed. Now, I don't know a lot about the military, especially military academies, but I feel like getting court-martialed it's kind of a big deal, and you can correct me if I'm wrong if you want to, but I feel like it's a big deal, and to get it because she painted some girl's head, I, that just, that seems a little silly. But then again, this whole movie seems a little silly. <laughs> so, Krista Carlson Romano plays Jennifer Stone, and she was Ren from Even Stevens' Natch, and both characters, Ren and Jennifer, Ren and Jen, Ren, Tin, Jenny, Ren, Jen, Ren, Jen, are very severe, very structured, very want things to go their way. And they're the straight man. So, you know, obviously um, Shia LaBeouf as Lewis plays off Ren. Hilary Duff as Kelly plays off Jen. But her severe acting is... I guess not even severe acting, but acting as like a cadet leader. You know, she's like a platoon leader or whatever. There's another character who's like her little sidekick... Her name is Gloria, played by Amy Garcia. And Amy Garcia has been on a ton of stuff. Everybody who was in this movie went on to do, like, a lot of other stuff. A lot of times with DCOMs, you'll, you know, you'll go on IMDb and, like, click it. It's, like, three other projects. And the last thing they did was back in, like, 2002. And you're like, ah, nuts. Sorry to hear that. But these people, I don't think anybody had less than 40 on their IMDb. And Amy had, like, 100 and stuff. 
So she's still working. She's getting hers. She was in a show called Lucifer, like 11 episodes. So she was clearly a recurring character. However, I do think that show got canceled. I literally know nothing about it other than I think it got canceled. Again, neither here nor there. So anyway, Gloria is the sidekick to Jennifer. But Amy Garcia is so much better at playing like that stern character. Like when she's yelling at Kelly to get through the obstacles, I believe it. But when Christy Carlson Romano was yelling at her, I was like, okay, you're acting. Like this isn't really how you feel. But uh, do I want to call it a racial issue? I will. The cast is, the lead cast is all white. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Hillary's best friend, or Kelly's best friend, Carla, is played by a black girl. And then um, Amy Garcia, who plays Gloria, I think is Mexican and Puerto Rican, if I'm remembering her IMDb correctly. Born in Chicago, which reminded me a lot of Carla from Scrubs, but she is Dominican, um, but also from Chicago. And so they get, like, the sort of friend sidekick roles, but both of them have, like, better chops than some of the leads. Again, do I want to call it racial? No, that seems, like, a little bold. But it's hard to not notice it, especially when it's considered, you know, such a trope to be, quote-unquote, the best friend. Pushed off to the side. But being a good character, but just not getting enough development. Like... What you learn of Carla is her home life wasn't, quote-unquote, wasn't what she wanted to be, and she's lucky to be at the military academy. End of list. And she's supposedly Hillary's best, Kelly's best friend. So I think she should ask some more follow-up questions, but she doesn't. And then you know nothing about Amy. You know that she doesn't like dances and she doesn't like music because she says that when um, they're doing an obstacle course and they're missing the welcome back dance. Which, of course, they have a welcome back dance. They can't call it a homecoming dance because... They don't have a homecoming football game. Although I don't know if that's a prerequisite, but they're obviously tied together, so they call it a welcome back dance. Um, speaking just of... I'm, I'm going to get to it. I'm bouncing all over the place, so forgive me. Or don't forgive me. I guess that's your prerogative. But I was thinking... Because in the movie, Gary Cole's character mentions, like, you'll find out what the drill team's all about. And she finds out how to do it, but she never they never explain... They never explain the drill team, um, why it is the way it is, why they do it. Now, I guess in a lot of football movies, you don't explain football. You don't give like the history of football every time you have a football movie. But I think for something a little more unique, like a drill team, which is when they spin their guns and they do all sorts of other stuff, um, they just get yelled history questions at them. I forgot that was a part of it. Like when they're in their competition, the guy's like, Hey, cadet, who was the commander-in-chief of the military? And at first, Hillary doesn't know. And I'm like, girl, excuse me? I'm not in a military academy. I know it's a prison in the United States, unfortunately. Um, And also, she... I'm bouncing around. Let's focus on one thing. Everybody remind me to come back to Hillary. Kelly, Jesus. Kelly being dumb at school. Drill team. They don't explain it. I think for something unique like this, they maybe should have given it a little more in-depth explanation. But I had that sensation because I show a couple competitions where you're watching it and it's like watching gymnastics or it's like watching like figure skating in the Olympics. You don't know what the judges are looking for. You're just looking at the grand spectacle and thinking, wow, this is incredible. And I'm watching somebody fly through the air and land on like a single, you know, half inch beam or whatever and the judge is like oh 
a disastrous mistake. That's going to affect her score. I'm like, excuse me? She didn't snap her neck. I think this is a huge success. That's how I felt watching these Jill team competitions. I had no idea what they're getting judged on at all, but I was like, hey, look at this. They're all moving in unison. Conversely, about the drill teams, the way it's shot. I think looking at a drill competition, because I've never seen one IRL, I think part of it would be able to see everything all at once and see how all the different pieces move. I think that's part of what makes it visually interesting and how you can see why it's really impressive. But of course, with a movie, you can't do that. You can't just like set a stagnant camera and watch it. It would be really boring. That's not very visually dynamic, even if all that stuff is happening, you know, on the on the court. You can't just set the camera there and leave it. That would be, I agree that that would be boring. But so they're panning, you know, like they're in it and they're showing specific characters. But I think you really miss out on what the movie is trying to say, like what's so cool about Drill Team. Because if not, it's just like a couple guys like marching. And you see like two people in the background doing something similar, but not really. No judgment. I just, you know, I would have made some different calls. Especially. So Kelly and Jen, Jennifer... They do the unarmed competition, which is basically them just like doing a really white version of like stomping. So it's like a lot of like patting yourself and like patting your knees and clapping and like moving your arms very specifically, but they're in the military. So they do it very robotically. Um, I, again, I have no idea what the point of it is, if it's just supposed to be like how complicated you can do things in unison or whatever. But at one, the very end you know, Kelly spiced it up a little bit because Viva La Kelly. Live Kelly. That didn't make sense. Ignore what I just said. We're just, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, yay, Kelly's changing uh, the military because she's that, she's that powerful. Um, and the way they shot this was they were playing Hamawonga Revolution. Great choice. But then they're editing it and like speeding things up and like cutting to them in really weird ways. So it's more like a music video. And I'm like, this of anything else, you can have a dynamic camera. You can move around them. You can pull and you can pull out, but you can still show them moving in unison. Keep the song if you want to. No judgment. I don't think you need it. And just show it It as it's happening. But they didn't. They made it like they made some really weird choices with showing this. I think I'm talking about maybe some boring things. Um, I really, I really, <laughs> I like the movie. I feel like I'm getting bogged down in really ticky-tacky, boring things. Oh, here's something fun. I'm looking at my notebook. The mom and Kelly, before they leave New York, go shopping. And they're at a makeup store. And I saw, like, a little display for lipstick on the table. And I said, that did not say what I think it said. And I rewound it. And it did say what I think it said. And then I noticed a giant poster on the wall behind them. Isis. I asked... Ah, yes. That was the name of the makeup thing in this freaking movie. Like, they can't help it, just like Archer couldn't help it. But I don't even, what could that possibly even stand for in the context of makeup? I shop, I shop. I shop, I, I, sh- I shop, I sell. <laughs> I shop in stores. Ooh, I would go to a store called I shop in stores, but they can't abbreviate it. You hear me? Um, oh yes, I said I was going to go back to Kelly being dumb at school. So Kelly is so fudging dumb at school to give her that fish out of water experience. Um, but at one point, you know, they say, oh, 600 hours. And I can't really tell military time. I know you just like add 12 or whatever to the number. So like one is 13. 
But she goes, um, my clock only has 12 hours. Like, what are 600 hours? Because it's like, oh, I'm just so dumb that I can't even wrap my head around 600 being 6 o'clock. Even though if you look at, like, a regular clock, I mean, there's, like, a colon, but you can see it's 600. But I'll just be a real dummy. And then she goes into class, which, by the way, the door on the classroom said, Mathematics, 113. I wish every room was named for exactly what you were going to learn in that room. I wonder what they would label bathrooms. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't. You don't learn anything in the bathroom. What would it be? It would be like, don't, you know, hold in your fart when somebody's in there. I don't know. Anyway, so she walks into the classroom. Everybody's standing up because it's a military academy. And it's a sign of respect. She walks in and flops herself down in the chair. And everyone's looking at her. And she's looking at everyone like, what? Like, she couldn't tell that literally everybody else in her classroom was standing up and she's just sitting there like a friggin' bump on a log. And then she finally gets it. It's like, ooh, okay. And she stands up. But naturally, it's right when the professor walks in. So everybody sits down and she's just standing there. And then (laughs) she's in, like, a strategy class. And the professor's talking about Napoleon or whatever. And she goes, I should just let you know now. Like, she raises her hand and stands up. And goes, I'm a conscientious objector. And everybody in this class just like leans forward. Like they lean incredibly far forward and just stare at her. And I'm just like, did she just say that? Does she know where she is? And you know, respect to her for speaking her truth. But it was kind of like, when I was a kid, I went to a a summer camp called Camp Andesong. I probably have talked about that before. And it was technically a Catholic camp, but they weren't very big on Catholic. They are mostly like, let's go ride horses and shoot bows and arrows. Um, classic Catholic stuff. And so I had seen, you know, like an ad on TV for Hebrew, Hebrew National Hot Dogs, and they were kosher. Now, I didn't know what kosher meant, okay? I just thought it was a word that they used to describe hot dogs. Or I probably didn't even give it that much thought. Like, I just knew kosher and hot dog were said together. So at dinner one night at my Catholic, or not, uh, my camp on the song, we're having hot dogs. And I said, oh, are these kosher? <laughs> and all my counselors laughed like it was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. And I was like, yeah, no, I was totally making a joke. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, totally, guys. And they're just giggling. And I had no idea what I had said that was so funny. Now I know. Now I don't know if they thought it was, <laughs> if they thought it was a funny joke or if they thought it was funny that I was so dumb that I said that. Only time will tell. If you were my camp counselor at Camp Andesunk, um, write me a letter in the mail and let me know why you're laughing at that. I'm not going to give you my address. You'll figure it out. <laughs> um, but yes. So looking at the notebook, let's see what else there is fun to talk about. A lot of really fun lines were in this movie. I wrote a bunch down. For example, Captain Stone, when she's trying to show how bad she is and she's telling Carla to like teach Hillary about military stuff. She's like, yeah, and tell her about that crocodile I wrestled. Like, you what? You wrestled a crocodile? First of all, you wrestled a crocodile in upstate New York? I don't think so. And while we're on the topic of Jennifer, Jennifer, that's when Jennifer and the crocodile became one. They were a unified spirit. Jennifer. They never give her any motivation for the giant asshole that she is. Like, she, they mentioned that both her parents were military, which is fine. That's not going to make you a dick. I mean, that she understands sort of the situation a little bit better than Kelly does, but that doesn't necessarily make her evil. And then I'm like, well, does she, is it contentious with her parents? And at the end of the movie, she reveals that her dad got, like, restationed. She's moving to Europe, but she doesn't seem mad about it. She's like, yeah, I'm moving to Europe. It's going to be lit. So I don't, I don't understand why she's such an asshole. There was no reason for her to be that way other than she was a bad person. 
which I guess is fine. Like, you don't have to have a reason for being rude on your job. But it would have been nice. It would have been nice to have it. Um, Another fun thing about Jennifer and Hillary Kelly. I wish their names weren't so similar. It's really throwing me off. They, at one point, um, Jennifer is, like, in the yard, (laughs) on the lawn, on the courtyard, whatever, doing her little unarmed dance routine. And then Hillary starts doing it with her. And then they kind of like get into like this dance off. And at first it's like a weird like slap dance off. But then it just becomes like a legitimate dance off. There's crumping. And the music's playing and it's a Macy Gray song. <laughs> Which I was like, absolutely. Get some Macy Gray in there. Fuck it up. It's a Macy Gray song and they're dancing. And it's always funny to remember, you know, that music is non-diegetic. Like they can't hear that in the movie. So they're just dancing ferociously with aggression and absolute silence and that's funny a to think about that happening in the world of the film and it's funny also to think about it happening filming that i don't know if they had like a little speaker out there playing music so they could get some feelings going i was like this is this is bizarre (laughs) i mean shouts to them for living their best lives but it's i just you know when i see things like that i'm like oh you guys probably felt like a bunch of real real potato heads um (laughs) <laughs> oh, when Hillary, when, ugh, when Kelly is going through the obstacle course, which they only do at one time, then she, I guess, conquers it forever and she's done. And I don't know. Her uniform is so much bigger on her than everybody else's uniforms are on them. Like everyone else's uniforms fit them well and hers just drown her. And I think it was partially to make her um, stand out, A, just visually so you could see that it's her. But then also, it makes her look incompetent. It makes her inability to do this task even worse because she looks like a little kid dressed up in, like, an adult's clothes. Like, she doesn't belong there. Which I was just... That was a neat costuming choice. It, it told a lot without saying anything. <laughs> well, I really am talking about boring stuff this episode. I'm sorry. It's a great movie. It's very, very funny. I think you just kind of need to watch it. As I mentioned, it's Deffy on Netflix still, even though it took me, like, a week to get back to this. Um... Oh boy. Mom worked to tell her. I'm just reading my notes out loud. That didn't make any sense. Oh, mom was worried to tell her. Huh. I talked about that. Good for me. Oh, ugh. I guess, I don't know. I guess I have more boring things to say. <laughs> I like that I call myself boring, even though I'm having the time of my life doing this right now. So I mentioned in the first part of my podcast that I thought the big conflict with Kelly being at military school was going to be that she's a free spirit and she doesn't like the uniformity of the military, not so much her being feminine. I was wrong. It's actually a pretty equal mix of both. Like I mockingly said, oh, I broke a nail. And then in the movie, Christy Carlson Romano razzes her for the same thing. She's like, what'd you do, break a nail? Get down here. I'm like, okay. Um, But Gary Cole's character, Joe, had a really cool line. He's like explaining to her why she needs to knock it off. Um, And... He says, I'm trying to find it, individual dignity is respected. The individual is at the service of the group, which I just thought was such a neat, because it's not like you can't, it's not like your personal wants and needs are going to be completely disregarded. Like the individual is respected, but you're serving the group. And then he goes on to say, that's why they call it the service, which I thought was a little tacky and originally omitted it. But I wanted to give you a fair scope of what was happening in the show. Um, Cycling back to the welcome back dance. Hillary Kelly is running through her obstacle course and she can't go to the dance. 
because she needs to do it right and Jennifer is a real bitch and she makes Gloria watch her. So anyway, they agree that she can go and then Hillary covered in mud. It was like, awesome, I did it. I'm going to go tell Carla. Well, Carla's at the friggin' dance. She's like, let's just go to the dance absolutely covered in mud. So she starts to walk down this very steep hill, slips because it's been raining, naturally, as soon as she's in this horrible obstacle course, it's also raining, slips, she tumbles down, tumbles down, gets covered in mud even more, bursts through the doors, and it was like half sliding, half running, like can't slow herself down, and just runs smack dab into Jennifer, who's wearing an all white dress, like it's her damn wedding day, and she's just covered in mud. And then everybody starts to laugh and applaud. And I was like, I don't care if she's the biggest bitch in the world. Why are you applauding her getting her dress fucked up at a school dance? It's the meanest thing I have ever seen. That's not true. I've seen a lot of mean things. But in this movie, it was, ooh, it was up there. I don't understand why they did it. But what are you going to do? Um, oh, the romance plot is really not very important at all. I mean, it's the driving force for some things because Jennifer likes Brad. Brad, who I said looks like Justin Timberlake. That's how I remembered him. Hillary or fucking A. I'm so sorry. I'm going to stop correcting myself. Whatever comes out, comes out. But you know who I'm talking about at this point in time. Kelly herself compares him to NSYNC. So I was super accurate there. But he, Jennifer likes him. They had like a fling last year. And then Kelly sets her sights on him. And she sort of learns drill to impress him. And not so much impress him, but just cheer him up. Because she gets assigned to being their, or their like little grunt person, like cleaning their boots as punishment. And so she's there and she starts to pick up on some stuff. And she wants to cheer him up after a loss. Whatever. But mostly it's just the two of them. Like she's doing it to get under Jennifer's skin. Which normally I'm very anti-girls fighting over a guy because it's boring. But the guy not really returning any of the emotions just makes it her razzing Jennifer for being a bitch, which I actually kind of thought was funny. There's no smooches. Not a one smooch in the whole movie. He smiles at her a couple times, but no smooches. What are you going to (laughs) do? Okay. Uh, I hope that this was okay. Maybe if everyone complains about this enough and they say, Jessica, why the frick did you spend so much time talking about so much boring stuff? I'll redo it. (laughs) I don't want to. I need to, I need to stop being so hard on myself. This was okay, right? We all had, we all had enough fun. <laughs> Next week, it's going to be a real freaking blast because you guys, finally, finally, after over a year of podcasting, well, over two summers, I'm a summertime show. I'm not, I'm going to try to keep going through fall and winter this time. <laughs> I finally have a guest for the podcast. I know. I know. Should I tell you who the guest is? Should I tell you what the movie is? Because we've already picked that out too. I'm going to do both. The guest is my brother, Jim Johnston. <laughs> yeah, Jim, Jim, Jim. That's the studio audience is going absolutely wild. And the movie we're going to talk about, I guess we haven't picked. We've narrowed it down. It's either going to be Smart House or it's either going to be Luck of the Irish. Why one of those two movies? Because the lead actor, whose name is like Tyler or Kyle or Kevin or something, we met him. I won't tell you how. I won't tell you why. We're going to save that for the podcast. But know to tune in for that wonderful story and just heaps of comedy. And we're talking about one of those two movies. So thank you so much for tuning in. I also feel like on top of this being really not very comical, it was also long. 
So listen, let me know if it sucked because I'll make changes. I'm here to please. Um, but I hope everybody has a great rest of their day, night, morning, lunch hour, drive to work, walk the dog, whatever the hell you're doing. Thank you for listening. I will see you guys in two weeks. Sorry. Oh, I should. I never even apologized. Sorry for not posting last Friday. Like I said, I was going to. I just didn't. Okay. Bye.